uh, the game is rigged. It's not a secret anymore. And that's yeah. why we have to tread lightly. And uh, we really have to put... It's like so tempting to... Because I know carbon credits are going to be the thing in 2030. I know, but it's like, I don't want to contribute to building my own prison. I need to start voting with my energy, with my money. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. I am super happy, grateful, excited that you are here again, joining me for another episode. I just got to say thank you. First of all, thank you for giving me your attention, giving me your time and willingness to listen to me talk and chat with all these amazing people that I get a chance to do that with. Uh, today, we have an amazing individual. His name is Nico Lapalusa. Nico has been unanimously voted America's eighth favorite uncle and is the number one uncle making videos on TikTok. Known as wisish and sometimes funny, Nico makes content to build confidence in men, helping his nephews not make the same mistakes he has in sex, relationships, finance, and beyond. Nico is a visual artist, entrepreneur, and jiu-jitsu coach. As a philanthropist, Nico has a mission helping restore the American bison population in the Great Plains, bringing benefit to the soil and water, decentralizing food supply, and possibly even healing ancestral trauma. We can all take a page from Nico's book when it comes to giving back and being conscious about ourselves, as well as the impact that we're having on this environment. With that, ladies and gentlemen, Nico. So thank you, Nico. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for the message you're pushing out. I'm grateful and I'm sure the people listening are as well. Well, wooey. Hearing you read that back, I'm, I feel kind of pumped up a little bit. Also, uh, yeah, humbled, but I should be humbled. You know, it's, it's good to get a slice of humble pie once a day, I reckon. I love that. <laughs> yeah, humbleness is, uh, is a good practice just to keep grounded. Um, I, I lose myself in myself all the time. And so the, ground, <laughs> the groundiness is so important to keep, you know, uh, clarity and direction. So I love these interviews because it just gets me a chance to dive deeper into the person I'm talking to and interviewing. So I want to go back in your past and just learn about your journey to this point, specifically starting with that red pill moment that really shook you out of the matrix. So the red pill is the one that you take to, I, I kind of get confused between the red <laughs> pill and the blue pill. Yeah. Red pill is the one that Neo took to get out of the matrix, to be disconnected. Got it. Got it. I think moreover, I took the purple pill, uh, mm. like the, the Bodhisattva type of um, figure kind of propels me forward. Uh, there was a time I wanted to disconnect, uh, but I found it, uh, the troubles still followed me there. So uh, I ended up, I think the real, the most significant red pill moment was when I decided to uh, live in the Amazon rainforest for, for a while, did the ayahuasca thing. This was 2012 mm. and, um, studied with a shaman there, lived in the jungle for two months, fasted, did a silence. Um, it wouldn't be called a silence fast, but 
I didn't speak for eight days, uh, ate very, very minimally, less than a cup of rice a day. And uh, I did a plant dieta. So they, they combined it, the experience with a specific plant. Uh, the one that I worked with was called Bobinsana. And um, yeah, I basically sat in an ayahuasca ceremony in the Peruvian rainforest every other day uh, for about two months. And I don't know if the red pill, pill moment was what led me to the retreat or actually being at the retreat. Um, but that, that was definitely a phase change uh, for me. Yeah. Did that, um, did that push you into a state of expression? Because, um, I've noticed that for, at least for me, I was more, I was going more in because I was trying to figure out what was going on in my life. And then as soon as I did ayahuasca, it showed me so much about myself that I started, I actually flipped it. I was like, man, I want to tell people about this. I want to express, I want to push it out. So how was it for you after that? Did you, did you have some life changing, you know, moments? Okay. Well, first I'm, I'm actually interested in how, how long ago you sat only in context to like, you said it kind of pushed you out. I think maybe you might've been ready for that at, at that like particular point in your life. Um, for me, it was kind of like a going in uh, process. And then I actually sat in the jungle. I did those two months. I got home and I didn't end up touching the tea for seven or eight years after that. I wasn't on a mission to spread it. In fact, definitely wasn't planning to share this, but just a year later after coming, returning home, I ended up well, shit, I ended up in the emergent, uh, in like a psych ward, uh, for suicide and, um, very, yeah, very, very powerful moments. Mm. I almost, I used to not be able to tell the story w without getting emotional, but I was able, you know, it, that's, that's been some time ago now as well, but I ended up in the psych ward, not really feeling like I wanted to be here anymore. And, um, part of me blamed ayahuasca, part of me blamed like that, that phase change and, and then being so blasted off and then coming back to my home and not really feeling the support, not really feeling like I was understood, not feeling like I understood where I was in the world anymore. Um, that coupled with a breakup and family issues, uh, yeah, I ended up in a pretty, pretty low place. Um, and that was, yeah, eight years ago, something like that now. Wow. Um, I, I, I can definitely actually relate to this because, um, I actually, for me, I felt it was the opposite for me where I, I felt like I was in, in, uh, um, a psych ward and then ayahuasca actually took me out of it. Mm. And mm. so that's interesting to hear the flip. Um, almost as if like there was all this stuff that was coming out out of you that needed to come out for then for you to be able to move through it and move past it. And it's, it looks like you did. It looks like you were able to move through that dark night of the soul. Um, what was it for you that helped you move through it? Like what were you doing on a daily basis to help you move through that? And, you know, um, I guess you can say even after when you left that, when you left the psych ward, I'm for, I have a, 
I'm fortunate to have a really good family, really supportive uh, family who has been there for me the, the entire... I wouldn't have ended up getting help in the first place had I not had a family that kind of cared so much uh, about me. So I, I'd say a, a family, a community. And then things like that, things that we all know, like movement practices, getting into, um, that's basically been my primary expression is some sort of physicality, some sort of sports. Now it's jujitsu. Back then, yeah, it was yoga. It was weightlifting. It was running basketball, uh, expressing myself creatively, writing terrible poetry, <laughs> like uh, terribly, terrible dark poetry. And um, yeah, music's helped too. I'm not sure if I have something to really point at. If I had to point at one thing, I'd say a fa familial support system though. I love that. And that's actually, I would say number one is to find a support system. And if mm. you don't have a family, find the family, <laughs> you know, find a support system. I think that's where most people get stuck is that there's this, um, and I'm sure you can relate. There's this lone wolf mentality. Well, I think I got to do this on my own, I guess I got to figure it out when it's, when it's the truth is that the, uh, in my opinion, true support, true healing, um, is when you can lean on each other, when you can rely on each other. You know, you can be the, the, the guru and do it all on your own or the Buddha, do it all on your own. Uh, but what's the point if we're not relating to each other, if we're not having the human experience? So um, I'm glad that you were able to push through that and now be able to share what those steps were for you. Because people listening here, who knows who's going through something right now, you know? There's like a, there's like a little contrarian in me who's like, there's definitely an aloneness to this journey, mm -hmm. I think. And as, as men, if I may be so bold, we, there's a little bit of that lone wolf that I really, that there's a reason it's there that we admire it. There's a, because there is just a part of this life that we can only face alone. Um, but you're absolutely correct. And it's what makes it all worth it. What makes it all vindicated and validated is being able to bring that strength that you have to cultivate on your own back into community. That, that I'm glad you actually said you actually correct me because it's a layering. Like if you don't, if you don't work on yourself first, how can you connect to others? So, so you have to do it about, you have to do it alone. You have to go through that. You know, that's why I call it the dark night of the soul It's because the soul, the individual soul has to go through the dark to appreciate self to then mirror and see in each other. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely all of it. <laughs> it's like, it's not one or the other. It's, it's both. It's both. Um, so tell me, tell me about the movement piece and, and you mentioned jujitsu. Uh, I'm a, I'm Brazilian. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. No. <laughs> so when I saw jujitsu, I was like, I oh, will have a little to talk about. So tell me how you got into specifically jujitsu. How did that happen? Uh, I okay. The, the official start was in college. I was training Muay Thai with a friend. I was getting him ready for fights. And then we happened to do jujitsu. Muay Thai well, too. <laughs> yeah? yeah. That's not when it started though for me because when it really started was about four years later. There was a movement coach. He's kind of like, he was famous for a long time. His name's Ido Portal. Are you familiar with his work? No. He trained Conor McGregor uh, back in his super prime so he got a lot of notoriety but i was on him watching his youtube videos before that happened 
And I ended up going out to his uh, movement internship in Thailand. I was fortunate to be selected and I was fortunate to have the money to, to be able to do that. And part of the curriculum was jujitsu. Now, at that point, although I had been training, lifting weights, powerlifting, playing basketball, something about physical altercation, it was terrifying to me. I, showing up every single practice was, um, I was sweating before I got on the mats because of, <laughs> <laughs> so like the idea yeah. of confrontation, the idea of like being like fighting was just so, so scary to me. But having pushed through that, having been led by good coaches in that process, I ended up coming back and that was the, that was one, that was the one thing that really stuck with me. So that was 2015, 2016. And I've been training ever since. Sometimes the frequency of training is 10 times a week and sometimes it's been two times a week, but it's been consistent uh, the entire time. And you, and you, you actually teach it, right? You coach. Yeah. So I've been promoted to purple belts. Uh, I'm at a smaller academy uh, in Wisconsin. So um, with purple belt comes a lot of responsibilities or comes some more responsibilities. And part of those responsibilities are, are being, uh, being able to coach. So I have two classes a week and then I have two private clients that come over and, and we train. Uh, I think so. that's all. I think that's awesome. Um, uh, you know, that you chose cause there's so many ways to express. There's so many ways to, to l let the energy out, but man, movement, <laughs> any, any kind of movement is literally, you know, I, I've, I've interviewed a lot of doctors and uh, the one thing that I heard over and over uh, is them talking about the fascial system and mm -hmm. the fascial system is this web that connects everything to everything. Essentially it's what, it's what creates the maps, like the, the Eastern maps, like on your tongue, on your face that connects mm -hmm. to your organs. So I don't know if you know about Eastern medicine. They, um, I, I don't know if you've ever been to like an acupuncturist. Uh, I, I used to go to this one where she's a tiny little Chinese lady and she, I'd walk in and, and the first thing she'd do is like, stick out your tongue. I took, put my tongue out and she's like, okay, like we, we know what we need to do. And then she would set, lay me down and, and start putting the needles in the right places. And so the fascial system, and now after interviewing these doctors, I'm like, oh, it's real. Like it's a real thing. And apparently what happens is, is if you're not moving, if you're not expressing, if you're not doing um, things that are not stagnation, right? Stagnation is like when you do a job, like for example, somebody that sits in front of a computer 10 hours a day, you're stagnating your body. It starts to crystallize the, mm -hmm. the fascial system. And that's why when you see the older people, they, they start to hump over, hunch over like this and start to go in is because the fascial system is starting to get tighter, literally tighter and pulling itself into itself. Mm. And like it's there, the person's dehydrated essentially, like, like suffocating himself by not moving and not breathing right. So man, key, one big key to health that I've learned is just move your body and breathe. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. And if I can put my biases completely on, on the table, I'm, I'm jujitsu is because it's, it's a bond. Obviously you're intimate with someone. It's not necessarily, it's not sexual at all, but mm -hmm. it's intimate in terms of context. So being able to exchange human contact one, but the complexity too, this is something Ido Portales talked, talked about is complexity is how we retain, uh, maintain our neuro our neuro health and you know neuroplasticity into adulthood 
um, is by complexity and complexity of movement specifically. So in jujitsu, it's not like you're just solving a puzzle, like rock climbing, you're solving a puzzle. I don't know if you ever rock climb, mm -hmm. but in jujitsu, you're solving a puzzle that's also trying to solve you back at the same time. So the complexity and the order of magnitude of, of all the different things that are happening is, well, part of the reason I love it so much that, and then you do talking about fascia, you end up in places you never thought you would be <laughs> because people are putting you there sometimes. Um, so that could liquidate the fascia or, uh, hydrate the fashion uh, yeah hydrate like it's like you look you look to the left and it's like is that my left foot <laughs> yeah. on my face how is this that, possible <laughs> that shouldn't be there for too long <laughs> um yes that's exactly it man i love it i love this conversation um that, that that's that's exactly why we need to move and keep the movement going um so just to keep this conversation going i i i, I love learning about your history here because it's 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 um it's cool to see the differences, you know, like in my own life into somebody else's life and specifically, you know, the things that align. I love it. Um, so kind of to keep going on your journey there. So you started doing the jujitsu. Um, I guess you're funny. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of TikTok videos of yours, but, mm -hmm. but you're, you're big on TikTok. You got, I think 400,000 followers or something like that, 500,000 followers. So, so why, what, what are, what are you doing that is resonating so much with people? Is it, is it information? Is it comedy? Like wh how, do, what, what made you get to this point? Like what got you to this point to express that? Yeah, there are a few things less funny than trying to be funny. So, and yet it's just an art form. I'm gravitate. All the content I consume is these, these comedians stand up. It's just something I'm so interested in. How do we transmute the seemingly negative into something positive? I think that's what it's, what I'm really trying, what I'm really getting at. And actually that kind of leads into how I started this TikTok journey is uh, diagnosed with cancer three years ago, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, amongst all the lessons, all the cliche things about gratitude, and they're real, and I'm not trying to downplay them, but you know, we've all heard how you know, when you see your end, all the uh, gratitude and all the kindness comes in. That's true. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I realized was, oh my God, I still have a lot to say. And I've been hiding for so long. I, I, I have, like, I want to say something. I want to put, put stuff out there. And on a more uh, morose note, if this, if this cancer ends up beating me, you know, I'd like my nephew, I'd like my family to know who their uncle was, mm -hmm. to, know, to know who this person was. And we have the capability to to make this happen now. Um, so I started making TikTok videos and something struck me. It's like Gary Vee talks about create. How do we create value for people like it? There's the, the content that doesn't seem to take off. And I've experimented with this is, hey, look at me, right? The look at me content doesn't do well, but the here you go content seems to seems to uh to do well so i'm like how can i actually add value how can i make people's lives better and uh things i wish i knew before i was 30 basically simple concept no one taught me it no one told me about it but it's just something that and then this character of uncle nico i am an uncle and i'm like this is for my nephew but it's also for the me who never had a mentor uh who struggled like through young adulthood 
with sexuality, with finances, with being hurt in ways that I didn't necessarily have to be. Um, so I, I, I took this series and, and running and the first videos that I did was things I wish I knew about sex before I was 30 and I was trying to be funny and it might've been, might be, it might be silly. Some people might've gotten a chuckle, but I did a series of 10 of those and three of them really took off like a hundred thousand views at the time. And this is when it was like musicality. TikTok was musicality. So I oh, was, uh, so you were, you were, the, were you dancing? <laughs> I wasn't dancing, but I was a first, resp- like, um, I had first mover advantage, basically. Yeah. My content isn't the most polished. It's not the most original, although it is you know, original to me. Um, but being a first mover definitely, definitely had advantages. Um, so yeah, that was it. Things I wish I knew about sex. And then it morphed into things I just, things I wish I knew before I was 30. And some of those hit millions and millions of views. And then, uh, I got canceled. I tried to get canceled. Oh, you uh, tried, you tried to get canceled. I misspoke. No, someone tried to cancel me. I was like, well, you're ballsy. (laughs) No, it wasn't that fun. Someone tried to cancel me because I was getting, I guess, when you reach a certain level, and you probably know this with your Instagram, people start chipping away, tearing you down. And uh, that only led to me getting more um, uh, followers because the the reason the person was tearing me down, then I had 300 other uh, other videos showing more of who I was. And I think people ended up resonating with that. So that actually led to a, like a, a boost of 150,000 followers at the time. And uh, yeah, just consistency, making videos, following a template, taking risks, missing a ton of times. <laughs> Don't look through all my videos because there's so many misses, but... <laughs> But that's the only way, that's the only way to like learn, right? It's blessings. Failures are blessings. Hmm. I reckon you're onto something. Blessings. I might have to, I might steal that one, make a video out of it. That's a, that's a, that's not me. It's, that's the sacred sun saying they, they, they say Oh, it. okay, blessings. cool. So that's like it in a nutshell. Got sick, wanted to say something before, before I left. Um, teaching, trying to be funny, all that stuff. I love that. You know, um, most of the people that I've spoken to that are successful now in their in their way and making a difference all went through some sort of darkness moment. Like whether it was like for me, I was divorced um, for my, my my partner. She almost died from um, Stephen Johnson's syndrome. Uh, all these dark moments to to appreciate what you have to appreciate what is in front of you. And so it's, it's beautiful to see that, you know, it comes to that analogy. Like when you plant a seed, you don't plant a seed on top of the ground in the sun in the beauty and nature, you know, you don't, you don't plant a seed like that. You plant the seed in the dark in, mm-hmm. and you compact it and you, and you make it messy and you make it wet and dark and damp. That's the only way that the seed is going to know Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stand, I gotta step up. I gotta step up. I'm not wrong. I'm gonna die here. And then it comes out, pushes through. So it's beautiful to see that you were able to do that. And now, and now on this other side, being able to share and, and say, Hey, this is my journey. This is what I went through. If you're going through something similar, Mm. here it is. And that's, and that's all we can do, right? That's all we can do in this, in this human experience is live the life 
and share. <laughs> and, I, and I actually, I love how you said that, that once you realize, once you shifted from here's me, here's me to here you go, here's what I have to share. It's an energy, man. It's like a desperate energy to mm-hmm. everything to share. Here's a love-based energy where I'm just expressing. And I'm still working through that. I mean, that's an ongoing thing. I, I, I call it grasping energy. I'm actually mm. doing a conscious leadership workshop with Jesse of from Sacred Sons. Shout out to Jesse. He's an amazing leader himself. Um, but I noticed this grasping energy in me pushing is, is a repulsion energy. Yeah, it's a repelling energy. Yeah. Which is so frustrating because all it all it's like a lot of it is, hey, come on, please. And it's ends up it's this very strange thing. It's so like still- this. Um, it's I, in my in my opinion, it's uh, it's an ancestral trauma. So back in the day, it's the the the, the snake oil salesman. Hey, get your safe in. It's, it's, it's very when you when you come at someone, even though it's true, when the energy is too exciting, if it's too um, if it's too needy, it's it, it creates it actually creates the the opposite effect. It repels. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I say repel, but if you if you go based on law of attraction, you're actually magnetizing more of that thing you're outputting, right? So you're you're actually magnetizing more desperation. So people uh. that are desperate themselves are coming to you and going, oh yeah, yeah, what is it, what is it? And then, and then there's, you can't get nothing from them because they need it themselves. So once you flip it and you go, okay, I have nothing to prove, I have nothing to, I don't, want, I don't have nothing to convince, I'm not gonna convince you of crap, this is what I believe, here it is. Mm-hmm. It changes the energy, it changes to like, hey, I'm just over here doing my thing. And then the people that are, are the desperate ones, they come and they go, oh, Oh, well, what is, what is it here? Let me, let me just see. Or, and then the ones that aren't desperate that are seeing the, uh, the desperate ones going, going like, well, what is now they're there? What, what's going on now? And so, um, anyway, that's just my own journey, uh, of that shift. Um, so let's shift the conversation a little bit <laughs> and pivot here. So let's, let's dive a little bit into crypto. Uh, I know you're, you have an NFT project yourself that you have started recently called the bison restoration project so tell me a little bit about that what that what that looks like i i just first i mean what's going on right now in the world it's it's um i have there's a relief some for some reason there's a relief when things go really do you have this experience? <laughs> I know exactly what you're. I don't know why. As soon as you started describing that, I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm, what I just felt this week." Yeah, I got it. <laughs> it's like instead of like bracing for impact, it's like when the impact happens, you're like, "Okay." It wasn't now as like, bad as I thought, right? It was like, "Oh, it was it was terrible," but it was terrible. <laughs> I thought I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> and there's a lot of people suffering, and I don't want to downplay that. But but there is this something that happens where. When the shoe drops, it's almost a relief. So I, I want to talk about that and acknowledge all the people that are going through it right now. I, I know it's not that easy to talk about, right? And NFT is almost a dirty word. Uh, it's coming out on the other side, but this is this is a, like a philanthropic venture. I'm basically I create visual art and um, and basically I'm uh, just trying to raise funds for the Intertribal Buffalo Council, which is a native run organization that are try- that are on that mission to restore the the uh, the Native American Buffalo population back to 
the land, and then also uh, supporting the Yellowstone National Park Bison Project as well. Mm. So it's a philanthropic venture. Um, it's all art done by me, hand drawn by me. And, uh, you know, I'm going for it. It's just a way to try to, to try to raise awareness for the cause. Um, and yeah, just, I, I put it out there not too long ago. This is kind of like the grand, grand release of it. So if you want to support that cause, if that cause speaks to you, which maybe talking about why that cause is so, is so important. Mm. Uh, if, if I can yeah, do, let's a, do it. A one minute. So the work of Alan Savory um, it basically shows how de desertification, the like uh, plains turning into desert, has been happening since the the bison genocide. Basically, in eight, in the early eighteen hundreds, it was responsible for the Dust Bowl. They didn't know that was going to happen, but it did. The bison are such a keystone species for. Um, for this health of the soil, for the health of their, for the water, and for the Great Plains, for keeping the grasslands. They do this by eating the grass to expose new, the sunlight to the soil so new seedlings can rise. They do it by compacting down the soil with their massive weight, and they do it with their manure. Mm -hmm. So taking them out of the system that caused a speeding up of the debt, like of turning grasslands into desert and was responsible for the Dust Bowl. But the work of Alan Savory has shown that it's not it's never too late you can actually reverse desert back into grasslands by introducing large packard animals and they did this with elephants out in africa and they've done this with cattle so bringing the bison back will help reverse the effects of desertification heal the soil allow the water systems to be replenished i love that i think that's that's um an amazing project in like a, a big a big feat like a big feat you're trying to accomplish but i love it i love it i think we all need to kind of find these big feats these big big things that we can focus on and work our way towards it the outcomes are big but the mission is simple it's it's bringing bison it's like one track bring bison back bring large packard animals back to where they were like it's a very specific thing um it's a one-step process that has a, a myriad of positive effects that, that basically come out of it. And whether it is bison specifically, which is ideal, or if it's what's called beefalo, which is the hybrid of cattle and bison, it's basically about getting large packard animals back into the back onto this uh, the place where they they come from. Um, I don't know if you've done any research. I just want to know some some I have some questions about it. Um, first off. I guess just on the implications of not having the bison or not having these large packed an packard and you say packard animals packard yeah packard packard animals um what are the effects uh you know to having these plains turn into deserts what are the effects on us on humans you know what, what how can that affect us us individuals because there's, there's so many things happening in the world yeah. you know we try to focus on the and prioritize the things that are having direct effects at least initially so what what are some of the effects food is the focus gotcha. food i mean we the decentral the decentralization of food that is what i want my impact to be the processing of food the growing of food and the sharing of food the commerce of food has to be decentralized i this see so so is it more about like um doing this so that we can have more land to grow our food on yeah but also have more meat 
Right, right. That, like healthy meat that we can that we can consume. I mean, geez, agri- I live in Wisconsin. This is uh, this is agriculture capital of the United States in a way, the Midwest. And what we're do- we're not even putting the biomass of the plants we're growing back onto the soil. We're taking that off because farmers, the parity is being taken, displaced from farmers. Parity is that which is grown in an area stays in an area in terms of revenue. The farmers are struggling so much that they have to sell their waste, their biomass for pennies on the dollar. But that biomass is so important to put back on the land so that the soil has a chance of replenishing nutrition. So they're selling off the biomass, which is necessary for the nutrition of their soil. And then they're spraying and they're pumping nitrogen in it come spring, come springtime. And I mean, there's, it's been said that you have to eat eight oranges to have the nutritional value of one orange 50 years ago. Wow. This is something we, that's something, um, uh, Saad Guru, if you've heard of him, he's a very prevalent, uh, speaker philosopher of our time. Uh, his whole mission is about the soil now. So if you don't listen to me, if you like how he talks, which I like how he talks better than me, listen to him and what he has to say about the soil and what's happening to the nutrition of, of the plants and how I see it. The manure from these, from the Buffalo is enough to create these to create grasslands, which can create healthy soil, which we can grow on. And we can have high quality meats mm-hmm. that, that people can eat as well. Man. Okay. So that makes sense. That makes total sense to me that it's the food, uh, not only the meat, but the, but the land itself, like being able to be replenished. And that's crazy to me that, that, uh, cause I, I, I'm, I'm even thinking also, you, if you take that that byproduct and they're, if they're selling it to someone else and the plants or the food was was raised in one specific area where, where it's meant to be raised and you sell it to someone else, how is that going to be beneficial to that person's area? You know, it's mm. like you got to keep the food where it's at so that it can keep that same cycle, that same replenishing of that food. It just <laughs> bananas yeah. to me. And we didn't even get into monocrop uh, culture, which right. further diminishes the the soil. Um, but I don't even want to fight that fight necessarily. It's just let's bring animals back to the land. Let's decentralize the food, the processing of food, so that we can keep parity where it's like, so we can keep finances where they're where they're made. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Keep it. Um, I've actually been talking about that recently. Where what we're trying to do with crypto, in my opinion, is shifting the flow of energy, which money is energy. It's shifting the flow of energy from going up the pyramid to the top, to like the few, to to, uh, flowing it back into the ecosystem. So creating a toroidal field of energy Mm -hmm. to where it's uh, it's just feeding back into itself. And that's actually something um, that's been happening recently a lot. Uh, they're, They're creating these DAOs. I don't know if you've heard of DAOs. Of course. Um, so decentralized autonomous organizations mm-hmm. and having NFTs as the membership wall mm-hmm. for that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of projects have been coming up recently around that, where you buy the NFT and then they and then they start building out the DAO, and then to access the DAO <clears throat> and the benefits of the DAO, you have to have the NFT. One of the things that I'm noticing is is that well, if you have a lot of money, you can buy buy up the NFT, you know, buy up a lot of that ecosystem or a lot of that space and highly benefit from that ecosystem. Um, 
there's been a lot of centralization with that. It's like crypto started decentralized and now there's been a centralization of that because of people just mm -hmm. having a lot of money. Where we're just seeing this last week that you mentioned here because we're, <clears throat> when this was, if you're listening, when this is being recorded, we're at the lowest of the lows right now in the crypto space <laughs> yeah. uh, because there was a, a black swan event that happened this past week. And so a lot of people are going through the lows right now, uh, not just financially, but emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and that, in my opinion, after doing research, I think it was a coordinated attack from old banking system. Like, uh, uh, I don't want to go too deep into this because it's a rabbit hole, uh, a heck of a rabbit hole, but essentially the, the, the large institutions that are centralizing the, the purchase of everything, media, real estate, uh, food, land, uh, land um, they did this attack because they saw stable coin that's working and they're like, uh Oh, that's not good. That's a threat. We got to take it down. And then that affected the whole space. Mm -hmm. uh, the game is rigged. It's not a secret anymore. And that's yeah. why we have to tread lightly. And, uh, we really have to put, it's like so tempting to, cause I know carbon credits are going to be the thing in 2030. I know, but it's like, I don't want to contribute to building my own prison. I need to start voting with my energy, with my money. And there's, and I'm not perfect. You know, I'm investing into stuff that I know is, it might be contributing to the centralization of power even further. Um, but, you know, day well, you by day. You mentioned uh, you had it, you had some philosophical block blockages, right? Around this, this, this space. I can, I can answer some of that because what I've noticed that, even like this, this, the movement of people that are aware of everything that's happening and wanting just freedom, wanting bodily autonomy, wanting the freedom of choice, all that. The one issue they have is like, well, then this is, this is just their way of centralizing our money and centralizing everything. And then we'll be under total control. Um, where I, where I, I'm coming from at it from a different perspective where, no, no, this is a tool that they're using and, and they're glamorizing and flashing as bright and as loudly as they can with that tool to make it look like they're the only ones doing it. The, but the, the, the reality is it's a tool. And the tool, we, mm -hmm. can create, we can create, and this is also something I've learned recently, that there's a difference between doing something publicly and privately. When you do something publicly, you're, you're, you go underneath a maritime law jurisdiction. So underneath the maritime law laws. So that, that, that comes with a lot of scrutiny. That means that you, you open yourself up to the laws that are governed by the laws that we perceive. In the public realm, in the public space, it's common law. So it's, you're not actually under maritime law, you're under common law or law of the land, the law of God, which is, which is um, the difference between legal and lawful. So maritime is legal, common law is law, lawful. Very different. There's like a, a, a lawful, which is um, a natural laws, universal laws of this reality. And mm -hmm. then there's legal, which is like humans coming in and trying to create little, little mechanisms to, you know, to, to facilitate control and mm -hmm. protect profits and power. So, um, and the big difference is public, private, public, private. That's all it is. So if we can create the same systems using the same products, the same, you know, uh, tools, we just have to keep it private and do it in a, in a, in a decentralized private manner. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm suggesting like the NFT with sweat equity mm -hmm. where you have, you can, you can put in money, but 
let's say like, let's say it's a project like yours, right? Oh, you want to get in this ecosystem and, and benefit from it? Cool. You got to come over here and smack a few bisons around for a week <laughs> and, and then you'll get your NFT, you know, um, where you have to put in some labor because then there's, there's this, when you, when you put in skin in the game, in my opinion, mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's a harder barrier of entry there because people that have a lot of money, there's, there's a, uh, it's easy to go, Oh, I'll just pay somebody to do it. Yep. I'll just pay somebody to do it. Well, that's not, the, that's not how this is going to work. It's going to be very different. So, uh, all that to say that, uh, we can, we can do it for ourselves. We can create our own ecosystems that are self-sustaining and the numbers aren't that much. It's something like you need about 3000 people, 2,500 to 3000 people. When you pull money together from that amount of people, you get about 15 or $20 million. Mm -hmm. that's, and that's all you need to create that toroidal field, the NFT based DAO that taps into other markets and benefits. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned the toroidal uh, field. So you're familiar with the Thrive documentary and Thrive 2? Yes, yes. Okay. And Catherine Austin Fitz and yep. yeah, a lot she of- was like, Yeah, her her little uh, interview where she was on the table and describing what was going on. It's like a video that went viral with her. Mm -hmm. Like I remember watching that and going, that is exactly- So yeah, she's she's definitely um, tapped into the, the pulse of everything that's happening. Hmm. Yeah, well set the the public private dichotomy and uh, the laws which govern each of those something to mull over for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, if if you're working towards that, if you are doing something that um, you really want to, honestly, in my opinion, have long term effect, um, focus. And this is unsolicited advice. I'm, I'm, I know, but you have you already have an audience. You have this massive audience on TikTok, and I've heard recently that TikTok actually has one of the higher higher conversion rates right now. Um, <laughs> if you have a product or a service, but if you can if you can solidify an audience that understands or at least wants to understand this space and do you know either either the NFT space or the Bison restoration thing and actually get them together in a, in a separate space today there are platforms that you can start right now. They're engines, they're white label engines <clears throat> that you can just slap your logo into, push it into your website, and people can start to use a Web 3.0 wallet and start and buy your NFT directly from your website. So mm. there are ways today to start accumulating the, the, um, the audience. That, that, in my opinion, right now is the, is the, the first thing you need to do is make sure that the community is strong. Before you release any NFT, before you do anything in the crypto space, make sure you're, you're, you have the community and you're transparent too. The transparency is key. Like being, being um, transparent with, your, with what you're doing with the project, being transparent with what you're doing in your life. Like the more, the more transparency you can show as a CEO or as like the, the, the head of the project, the better. Mm -hmm. Because then when it comes to the moment of selling the NFT, it's instant. It's mm -hmm. actual, it's, it's, I've seen three or four projects in this last year in a month, in one month, put together three, 4,000 people. And then um, <clears throat> after having all the platforms ready to go with the three, three uh, they created a discord and then they, they cleaned it up. They put the, the, the 3,500 people in there. And then when they were ready in one week raised 10 million, $15 million. 
And the, and the one that I, the one that raised 10 million in a week, it was to buy golf courses. They're like, and, oh, we, we want to have our own golf course. Them? Huh? To buy golf courses and then reconvert them into natural, like, to rewild them. No, 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 no. Just because oh. they're, they're golfers <laughs> and they want to have their own elite golf courses. But, but that's, that's what's so cool. It's like, it doesn't matter what the, the, I, you know, the, the intention is or what the goal is. It just matters that you now have a tool that you can come together and, and, and make something and make something happen where before you couldn't do that. Before I, I couldn't just raise money through Kickstarter or through it, there'd be all these blockages. There's be these fees. There's be like even today, um, I've seen plenty of people try to do it through Indiegogo, Kickstarter, and um, what was that? Um, even the donation website, and the, and the government's coming in and going like, no, nope, can't do it. And then and then the 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 company re- refunds all the money. Hmm. So these the to raise money, create community. And literally, it's a hybrid. So you, you're essentially creating like a blockchain-based VC. You're, you're creating a blockchain-based reserve system, you know, like the Federal Reserve, but you have your own. Mm-hmm. So if you have enough people and enough money in that space, that's it. You're, I mean, with $15 million, you can make an easy thirty dollars to $50,000 a day today with that much money in the crypto space. So yeah. and, th- and with 3,500 people, you can change a city with that, with that amount of money. Like we just focus, uh, you know, specific tasks and all of this stuff gets managed. It's a voting system too. So it all gets managed by the people. We put up a proposal and then everybody votes and then we just use the money for whatever the proposal is. Oh, I don't know if you, I'm, can I hire you? It sounds like I want to, like, I really want to have a discussion, not necessarily right now, but I understand better how to do this. This sounds, uh, yeah, this sounds like a good way to drive the project forward for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's it, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, anybody can do this, by the way. Anybody can go online and find the places to put it together and do it. I think what I bring to the table that's a little different is um, is knowing how to layer it and how to, mm-hmm. to put it out, how to present it. Um, but yeah, if you're interested, if you want to do it, actually, I'm I'm helping two projects right now. Uh, Sacred Sons is one of them. We're actually creating a, nice. a Sacred Sons yeah. coin, um, and we've been talking about that for a while. But but it's finally happening, coming together now. But um, but yeah, if you're interested, let me know. I would definitely would love to dive deeper with you for it. Yep, color me interested. I expect a DM this week. Send me <laughs> send me those white labeling ones if you if they come to mind. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Beforehand. Um, so. I love this conversation because crypto crypto talk to me is is um, it can go one of two ways. Either the person goes, I don't know anything, or or it's somebody like you where it's like, no, I'm curious. Like, tell me more. And, it, and it's always a flip of a coin uh, when I interview hmm. people. But um, I guess I guess we can kind of try to wrap it, wrap it up here. But what would you say is the way forward with everything that you've experienced, with everything that you research? Uh, these last two years, the craziness that's been happening in the world. What is it that you want moving forward in this reality? Mm. Wow. Okay. So the decentralization of food to to bring to basically empower communities, empower people to grow their own. I planted my garden today. That's a small victory. There you go. It's a special day when you get to put the seedlings into the ground and and all that. So, you know, um, 
people growing their own food, people raising their own meat, decentralizing on a personal level and then on a communal level and then maybe on a state level and so on. But that's my primary want and concern on a global level or at least a national level right now is um, both worried and hopeful, I guess, worried about the food supply and and, uh, and decentralization of power over individual choice. I don't want to sound too libertarian, although it might play to your audience. I'm not trying to. It's it's because there is a balance. Uh, and of course, I don't know. I'm a single perspective in a, in a much, much larger place. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, uh, I, I give my future to that which is bigger, that which connects us all. I try to align myself with the laws of nature, the laws of the Tao or whatever you want to call it, religiously, spiritually or not. Just aligning myself with that takes a little bit of trust so that I can firmly come back to the present moment and see what I can do in this individual moment. And right now that's talking anything besides answering your question, just skirting around it as much as possible. Cause I don't know, <laughs> man, I really don't know. I know, I know what I'd like in terms of the seven generations from now, I'd like them to be ha- like healthy, happy, and free. Um, I'd like them to have clean water and uh, the autonomy of choice and how I can contribute to that. Um, I, I know what you're talking about, but why, why did you say seven generations ahead? Oh, uh, yeah, I sit in the TP ceremony still, and that's just the number that's that I've been marketed, successfully marketed. The seven generations uh, is a brand. I mean, um, I was going to say, every- I've actually heard that before where it's like the changes you make today are going to affect seven generations down the road dramatically yeah. at the most. Yeah. And and your choices, as particularly as a leader, a conscious leader, should factor in how it's going to affect center, seven generations from now, something like this. I, that was, you know, I know you're skirting around the answer, but you gave an answer. You gave an answer, which is like, hey, I, I, I'm in this now moment and, and like I'm focusing on what is happening in this reality and this is what it is. Um, and I love that because I honestly believe that any real, any future is possible. Any future is possible. It's, it's not, it's not what I believe happens. The the trap that I believe happens is that most people sit and keep wondering about the future, keep thinking about the future and living in the now moment based on that future that they believe might or might not happen Mm. when it's like, why don't you just flip it and choose the future you want and then align the actions today to go to that future that you actually want. And it's just a small flip of the script. But it, it makes a diff- It makes the biggest difference, in my opinion, of what you're going to attract to your reality in moving forward. It's always going to be. It's always going to be this like, well, things are always going wrong. Well, it's just because you're not in alignment with that thing that you believe in the moment. You're you're still focused on the, po- the all the potentials, all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, um, again, I love this conversation. I I, I loved um, talking to you about your journey. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to connect deeper with you. Um, I always like to leave the last word with the interviewee. Um, so think about it for a second here. This is a, I, I like to ask this last question. If you were in front of 2 million people hmm. and you only had a few sentences to say and you're going to leave them with, what would that be? <sighs> if, if 
feel like I'm going to throw up. That's not what I was going to say. It's not, I'm not going to, I'm not even started yet. <laughs> I'm going to throw up. <laughs> yeah. <Yay! laughs> hey, good throw up. We could do it. We could make all the change in the world. Um, I'd poetically try to talk about how we can bring the power back to ourselves by focusing on what's right in front of us, feeling your experience opposed to thinking your experience seems to help me. So just feel, feel your life. The body doesn't lie. The body's always present. So return to the body and return to the land if possible. I don't like that one. <laughs> no, this is the worst. It's it's funny because you started. You ever heard of Tenacious D? They have that. Yes, they have course. that song. Um, uh, this is the tribute to the greatest song in the world. You almost. <laughs> yeah. you, you just did a tribute to what you would say. <laughs> bro, I would prepare. I'm a preparer. So if I had to do it as a photographer of two million people, I would not off the cuff it necessarily. Um, <laughs> Although there's beauty in, in the improvisation. Yeah. The improvisation is the is actually the magic. So that is that's the uh the, the secret sauce. Secret sauce for comedy. That's, well, I, I think that was the a bison good, back. There you bring go. Bring the bison back. Bring that's the bison back. <laughs> I'm Let's out. Go. Drop the mic. <laughs> Boom. We are the bison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it. Nico, thank you so much, brother. Bro. Um, if you guys if you guys think Nico is hilarious, which I do. Um, make sure you follow him on TikTok. He's at Nico, N-I-K-O underscore I-S is underscore. Or on Instagram, it's uh, at Nico, N-I-K-O underscore Lapelusa, L-A-P-E-L-U-S-A. Brother, you are a good dude. You are a good dude and you're honest and you're present and you're authentic. And I think that is the key, in my opinion. My opinion that you've, you've, you've made a success in expressing yourself. And I think it really is because of the authenticity, like mm -hmm. just being you and, and believing in something. That's the key right there. Just believe, take back the power of belief of discernment of wanting. <laughs> well, I'm not going to cry on camera, but I feel the heart bubbles for sure. Dude, thank you for this opportunity and thank you for sharing your platform with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you everyone for watching. And always remember, gamify your abundance. Love you guys. Yes. Yes. I love, love these conversations about decentralization and connecting, you know, the crypto space with real world solutions and real world benefits. The fact that Nico is creating this whole project, um, with NFTs and introducing that to the people, to his audience, that's amazing. I mean, I, I, maybe I'm a little biased, but you know, crypto, I believe is the future. This is the transition. We're going from decentralized platforms, decentral, or I'm, I'm sorry, we're going from centralized platforms to decentralized ones. And it's not just finance. It's, it's so many layers to it. So if we can start creating our own projects like Nico is, Man, true decentralization will start at the local levels by having thousands and thousands of projects created that are that have their own ecosystems, their own reserve systems, you know, blockchain-based venture capitalism. This is the way. This is the way, in my opinion. But if you want to dive deeper into Nico and everything that he's working on uh, and just have some laughs, make sure you follow him on Instagram at 
N-I-K-O underscore LaPelusa, LaPelusa, LaPelusa. It's a L-A-P-E-L-U-S-A. Or definitely check them out on TikTok. It's N-I-K-O, Nico underscore is underscore. And uh, just follow him along there. And if you want to dive deeper into crypto, you know where to find me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on uh, YouTube. I'm giving out a bunch of free content for you guys to absorb and to ingrain and to understand the space a little bit better. But if you want to really take the next step and educate yourself, which in my opinion is the way, if you don't give yourself the opportunity to educate, then you're really creating a limitation on your perspective to be, to be able to expand and grow out of the programming or out of the things that we've normalized. Um, so if you want to dive deeper into that, check out my course, autogomes.live. And uh, here's 10% off forward slash easy. And that gets you a nice 10% off the paid course. Love you guys. I love that you're here showing up on a weekly basis to hear my perspective and to just dive deeper into these uh, interviews and other people's perspectives. Please let me know that you enjoy this. Please, please, please give me some feedback. Give me maybe what you want less of, what you want more of. Um, I'm here to adjust and to provide information in the way that is receptive for you that so that you can feel good in receiving that information. So I'm, I'm totally open to feedback. I love constructive criticism. It's literally the only way I'll know how to grow and bring better quality content. And with that, love you all. Thank you so much. And always remember, gamify your abundance. Peace.